0: CHAPTER THREE OF MY FLIRTATIONS BY ELLA HEPWORTH-DIXON. THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. 3. IT IS WITH AN UNEASY CONSCIENCE THAT I RECALL THE BRIEF EPISODE OF MR. HANBERRY Price. THERE USED TO BE A DERISIVE RING IN CHRISTINA'S VOICE WHEN SHE ALLUDED TO MR. Price AS MY NEW YOUNG MAN. SHE KNEW WELL ENOUGH THAT HE COULD NOT BY THE WILDEST STRETCH OF IMAGINATION BE CALLED YOUNG. NEITHER TO BE SURE WAS HE IN THE SEAR AND YELLOW LEAF. No, he was worse than old. He was middle-aged. Middle-aged in ideas rather than in person, for he affected a jauntiness of attire which he was able to carry off to a certain extent, being rather big, with high colour, and having hair still untouched with grey. He also liked to be thought what in early Victorian novels would have been called an agreeable rattle. But then half of Mr. Price's conversation consisted of projects and invitations which somehow never came off it was wonderful what a reputation for festive hospitality mr price had among people who didn't know him well one of his least agreeable idiosyncrasies was his curious distrust of everybody he was always in dread of being as he would have expressed it done so suspicious indeed was he that he even suspected himself his coup on the stock exchange the bouquet he had offered overnight the very wine he drank suggested the afterthought that he had made a fool of himself that it was possible he might not yet get the desired return for his money his small red-lidded eyes of a watery blue continually betrayed this recurring idea while his loosely hung jaw and mouth gave signs of a loquacious temperament which his frequent and abrupt laugh did not succeed in making genial though he did not mention it in polite society mr hanbury price hailed from tulse hill in that eminently respectable suburb he had first seen the light and in the same stucco mansion there still resided his mother and a bevy of plain unmarried sisters to whom he used to journey down to partake of early dinner on sundays never mention Tulse hill to smart people he confided to me one day with one of his sudden and unmirthful laughs if i do they want to know if it's in yorkshire he was curiously anxious to be voted popular at least among the right sort of people and was fond of alluding in an airy way to the parties he had given or intended to give but as he had an inherent dislike to laying out half a crown on anything which was not strictly necessary mr price must have undergone untold tortures if indeed these festivities ever really came off in his efforts to be classed among the bachelors who entertain of course it was only in time that i became aware of all these amiable little peculiarities for at first sight mr price gave one the impression of being a good-natured talkative and gregarious member of society with an inclination for giving little dinners and theatre parties we met him first on a saturday to monday on the river at the house of a vulgar little woman whose portrait father was painting mrs bodley gallard was loud in his praises she had it transpired only known mr hanbury price a fortnight Our hostess was one of those over-officious people who say things that make one's blood run cold. Now, my dear Miss Winman, she whispered to me on Sunday night after dinner, please be nice to the poor young man. Mrs. Bodley Gallard belonged to the class of person who calls everybody a young man who is still unmarried, even though he be on the wrong side of fifty. I assure you he is devoted, quite devoted. Now promise me you'll think about it a speech which had the effect of making me extremely rude to mr price when he joined me after dinner and it was only when he had seen us into our cab at paddington station next morning that i mentioned after he had made repeated inquiries on the subject that we were generally at home at five o'clock he was not long in coming and when he appeared he was profuse in his invitations would we do a theatre would we dine with him he was thinking of taking a house on the river for august he hoped that mother would bring us down to stay with him the least we could do was to accept his offer for the play we were to dine somewhere first and the party was arranged for the following tuesday but when tuesday arrived there was a postcard for mr price to say that the proposed festivity was postponed and as i afterwards found out because he had been vainly soliciting free admissions for the Thalia theatre from a young man whom he knew who played the footman in the first piece Then, when the night at last arrived, we found we were to partake of a three-and-sixpenny table d'hote dinner with a maddening accompaniment of glees, and this from a man who talked continually of the amphitryon and the bachelor's club. That damped my spirits to begin with. Of course, when one is under twenty, one does not care much for the niceties of cooking and the brand of the champagne but it is lowering to one's dignity in the eyes of one's family to be asked to dine at table d'hote with travelling yankees and gaping provincials but it was nothing to what followed we were a party of five mother and i and a couple of men beside our host when we were at last landed inside the doors of the thalaya we found that mr hanbury price had secured seats for his party in the fourth row of the dress circle the two other men exchanged amused and surprised glances mother and i declared we much preferred the dress circle to a box or stalls and mr price who began to dimly discern that for once his economy was ill-timed spent half his evening in the lobby having as i shrewdly suspect a prolonged altercation with the attendant on the subject of a charge of sixpence for each programme it grieves me to think what we must have cost mr hanbury price and hansoms for our house as he more than once explained is inconveniently situated from omnibuses Whether he really imagined himself to be in love, I have never been able to decide, but he was obviously haunted by dreadful forebodings as to the expense of a young lady with my tastes and proclivities. He used to lecture me about taking care of my gowns, and suggested that I was recklessly extravagant in the matter of feather boas and shoes. One day he tried to persuade me to attend the cookery classes at South Kensington, and another evening, when he was unusually sentimental, he asked me if I didn't like the neighbourhood of Notting Hill all this contributed to christina's joy for mr price's struggles between economy and the tender passion were really diverting to behold i think perhaps when i look back at the whole affair dispassionately that it was the box of chocolates that ended mr hanbury price's dream one afternoon when we had been particularly confidential he asked me at parting if i cared for sweets the next day there arrived from the civil service stores a small cardboard box of second-rate chocolate creams addressed to me to me who had had qualms of conscience that he might have telegraphed to paris for some elaborate offering from the boulevard des Italiens. telegraphed indeed hanbury price was not the man to waste his money in telegrams when a letter or better still a halfpenny postcard would answer the same purpose i have quite a collection of postcards in his handwriting for he wrote often on every sort of matter and he chiefly used the cheapest means of communication there is the mass of postcards for instance which relates to the famous dinner at the crystal palace which finally ended the affair we tried hard to get out of it christina and i but it was of no avail and in the end we had to go mrs bodley gallard was to be the chaperone, and there were to be one or two other men i like to go over the events of that day for they are unique in my history five o'clock was the hour of meeting at victoria station it was high midsummer and bitterly cold and damp arrived at the station we found that mr price had already taken second-class tickets for the whole party but that he was not above recouping himself from our purses for this outlay just as jolly second-class declared our host if you're a party don't you know though he laughed awkwardly when he found that a couple of damp plush-clad babies with their respective mammas were also to journey down with us to sydenham of course we arrived too early and wandered about on the interminable and dubious boards of the palace among pieces of greasy paper the remnants of recent feasts until seven o'clock but dinner came at last with a lengthy harangue as to which table mr price had selected an interview with the manager and some sour sauterne cup only one young man had turned up the other two had probably dined with mr price before and he chaffed our host into ordering a beverage more suitable to the damp night but even that failed to revive the flagging spirits of the party mournful pauses fell and hanbury price's eye travelled anxiously after the champagne bottle as it went its way round the table even mrs bodley gallard could not pretend that she was enjoying herself And then, with the phenomenally hard peaches and dried figs, came the final blow. There were to be fireworks, but our host had evidently no intention of offering us covered seats from which to view them. "'One of you young ladies will come with me in the grounds,' urged the ever-economical Hanbury, casting a sentimental and meaning glance in my direction. "'I'm afraid I've caught cold already,' I said with decision." and then christina with true nobility came to my rescue in answer to my appealing nudge i will if you like she said quickly peggy can't wander about in the dark and the cold to-night she's nearly got bronchitis as it is the child must stay indoors the only young man at once secured seats for the chaperone and myself and mr hanbury price spent what he may have intended to be the eventful night of his life wandering about the grounds under a dripping umbrella with my sister christina's account of the evening is extremely diverting i shall always be grateful to her for that night whatever differences may arise between us in after years i shall never forget from what an awkward interview christina saved me and he for his part had a chastened air in the railway carriage coming home we left town very soon after and when i meet mr hanbury price on rare occasions in the park or at some crowded party i get ready my sweetest and most deceitful smile but mr hanbury price invariably looks the other way chapter three